0: This TFMR podcast is brought to you by Cyber Metals, a new digital precious metal platform from your friends at JM Bullion. Visit cybermetals.com for more details. Pre-CPI greetings to everybody at TFMR. It is January the 11th, and that means it's one Interesting confluence of numbers today. Um, And silver was down 11 cents. How about that? Well, anyway, I'm not sure that has anything to do with anything, but welcome back. Uh, Very um, frustrating day for us as the banks weighed heavily into silver. Again, we've been watching them cap price for the last month, and uh, now they're really starting to shove it backward. As we get into the charts, I will remind you of two things. One, Yes, the banks are still in their manipulating price, and two, they don't necessarily manipulate it to the downside all the time. You recall last fall, the four separate short squeezes, all of them originating from a point where it was the banks that were long and the specs that were short, And all of the usual analysts and wave counters and pundits were all talking about silver going to 14 or 12 or some other such nonsense. And I had to sit there and say that's not going to happen when the banks are the ones that are long. And then when the specs get long and the banks are short, we all wait for the rug to get pulled out from under us. Why would you not expect a short squeeze When the banks are long and the specs are short. And that's exactly what happened. Price fits manipulated to the upside when the banks can make money. And so now price, like today, was manipulated to the downside. The main thing you got to recognize is the banks that are in charge of this stuff on a daily basis. The trend can be up and down. And that doesn't mean we can't go higher from here. But you got to understand what the banks are trying to do. The other thing you got to understand here is that silver led the way down. Remember that? In April and May of last year, gold and the mining shares followed. And then silver led the way back up, catapulting up faster beginning in November, and gold and the mining shares followed. And now silver's been capped, and they're trying to shove it back down. So what I'm getting at is that we're probably kind of close to the end of at least this little phase of optimism and, and upward bias in the metals and the mining shares, there might be some room left to go and who knows, maybe we'll get some of that tomorrow after the CPI. But we'll do for a breather, as I keep reminding you, the first four to six months of this year are going to be frustrating. Uh, You're gonna go up and pull back and go up and pull back. And uh, the key word is patience because when, not if, when the Fed pivots and begins cutting rates, Later this year, maybe summertime, early fall, man, that's when things are really going to be crazy and you don't want to be wrong-footed. You don't want to be caught chasing. You don't want to be caught waiting for pullbacks and all that kind of stuff. You want to actually root for the dips at this point <clears throat> if you're in there wanting to average into positions or add to your stack. And that uh, and dip was what we got today. Silver got to 24.19 at one point overnight. Now, after that happened, the dollar ended up being sideways in the day, and rates ended up being down. Regardless, silver plunged from twenty-four nineteen all the way to twenty-three thirty-four eighty-five cents to the downside, three and a half percent. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then it recovered some. I got a last at of twenty-three fifty-five off that eleven cents I mentioned earlier. Now gold a lot tighter range, but it went down too from hitting a high. So far, new high for the year. How's that? 1891 down a little over 1% to 1871. But then, with the bond market rallying this afternoon, the 10 year note falling five basis points just this afternoon and ending up at 353, uh, gold was able to rally back, finished up $4 on the day at 1881. So you got silver pulling back. Silver actually. Oh, what does that make it? Uh, I'm trying to remember what. Down on the year, about 50 cents. While gold is up on the year, almost $50. Or a little more than $50. So are we in that kind of pullback now that's eventually going to reach over to gold in the mining shares. I'm, I'm probably right. Look at the COT report. COT survey last uh, was yesterday. The report's going to be Friday. And when do you recall, I'm sure it's happened before, but not recently, a dichotomy like this? For the cot week, gold up $30, open interest up 32,000 contracts because the banks are gleefully adding new shorts because they know where they're going to try to tip this over soon. But silver for the same cot week down 53 cents and open interest down 2,000. So you got the specs rushing into gold. You'll see that on the cot report for sure with price up. But the same specs rushing out of silver, or at least gradually moving out of silver, with price down. All right? So again, that doesn't mean we can't go up tomorrow. It doesn't mean we can't go up to tap 1900 even trade briefly above 1900 But I do think that at some point here in the back half of this month, we'll probably be trending lower. And don't forget, February is a uh, delivery month for COMEX Gold, first one of the year. That means... About two weeks from today, I suppose, we'll have February options going off the board. Haven't looked at the open interest yet, but the way prices were the last two weeks, there's got to be a shitload more calls open than there are puts. You'd have to go way down, right, to 1700 1800 before you'd start finding, you know, any volume of open puts, because price has been up for the last couple of months, while February has been the front month. So there's rationale for price to get work lower there, too. And then, of course, the February contracts go off the board. You know how that works as well. So we are probably pretty close here in the middle part of the month to seeing the highs of the month. And then we'll probably begin a little slow grind backward towards the the FOMC meeting that I think is on the last day of the month. Now, on the bright side, copper still charging higher, up another $0.10 today. Now, 418, that's up about 2.5%, and crude up as well, 250, three-some-odd percent, back up over 77. So the commodity story in general is still very strong. I wrote about that today at Sprott Money, and uh, we'll put that link on this page if you haven't had a chance to see it. The other link we'll put on this page, it's also kind of a fundamental factor, positive thing floating the boat for the metals, is an article from Ronan Manley regarding China. And how really, I think since first time since about 2015, Chinese are reporting regular gold additions again. Another, what, 30 metric tons last month? In the past, they've just come out every five years and said, okay, hey, here's no, well, we're 500 tons higher. You know, we haven't said anything for five years. There was a period back in 15 and 16, if I recall right, where yeah, they reported monthly gains for a while and shut it off. And now here they are two weeks, two months in a row of about 30 metric tons. So, anyway, Two links on this page: my Sprott Money article uh, that I wrote today about copper, and then this uh, Ronan Manley link about Chinese gold demand. All right, tomorrow is going to be an interesting day. Not only do we have the CPI, and we'll preview that here in a second, we got a couple of goons to deal with first. I mean, again, this is all creating some pressure on the precious metals, I would imagine, and especially if somehow the CPI comes in a little warmer than expected. We got Goon Harker. 7.30 Eastern, you're going to start getting headlines uh, from that goon. And that's even... Uh, Comex isn't even open yet. Then at 8. Oh, God. Goon Bullard. I don't know if he's on CNBC or Bloomberg. He loves being on TV. You know that. I don't know where Goon Bullard's going to be. At 8 o'clock Eastern, we got him. And then, of course, the CPI at 8.30. What should we expect from the CPI? Well, let's start there. First... A reminder that the goons don't know Jack, all right? They're treated as if they're all-knowing demigods, but they don't know anything. In fact, they do a worse job at this than you and I. Found this on Twitter. This is from the December FOMC in 2021. So just a little over a year ago. And this is your dot plot that you hear them talk about and say, oh, what's the dot plot say? What's the dot plot? The dot plot is just a summary of guesses. It's where the FOMC members think rates will be. In this case, in 22, in 23, 24, and beyond. All right? And this is the Fed funds rate that they're guessing. And again, this is just 13 months ago. And notice where the dots were. The vast majority of the dots for the projected Fed funds rate at the end of 2022 was around 75 basis points. 75 to 100 where'd we end up 425 to 450 so they were only off by a factor of four and off by almost 400 basis points where a year 13 months ago what were they projecting for the end of 2023 oh somewhere between one and a half and two and they're going to end up being pretty almost close to being right. <laughs> But they were saying rates are going to go up, only two there. What's going to happen is they went to four and a half, and they're going to come cascading back down. And they'll end up being right about 23 or 24. Just not directly. By accident, they'll end up being right. But, man, I just, God, people make it sound like Cash Carry and Bostick and all these other dipshits actually know what they're talking about. All right, so what to expect tomorrow. I found these two Bloomberg things on Twitter, The first one is the uh, guess of, let's see, 67 estimates by 62 qualified economists at what they expect the month-over-month change to CPI to be tomorrow. And you can see most, I mean, the bell curve here has most of the guesses either at 0.0 flat month-over-month or actually a little lower. Just a handful of guesses with a positive month-over-month of plus 0.1. So if it comes in at plus 0.1 month-over-month, that's actually kind of a hawkish surprise. Ooh, inflation hotter than expected by these 67 estimates and 62 qualified economists. So there's kind of a bias built in tomorrow to disappoint, to come in a little hotter than expected. Now, it may come in less. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I wanted to show you what... These qualified economists have to say. And then look at the year-over-year number. Again, 43 qualified economists. Am I a qualified economist? I've got a Bachelor of Science in Economics. I guess not. Anyway, uh, I'm not an eight-figure Wall Street economist. Anyway, you can see their guesses here. The year-over-year number is expected to be either 6.4 or 6.5. But what if it comes in 6.6 or 6.7 or even higher? It was 7.1 in December. Again, that's going to freak everybody out. And the dollar is going to spike and the bond market's going to dump and they're going to beat the shit out of the metals. Now, it might come in lower. Nobody's expecting, you know, something down there at 6.2 and hardly anybody was expecting, you know, negative 0.2 for the month over month either. And that's your final uh, screenshot here. Grab this from Zero Hedge. This is on uh, on their page and on their Twitter, you know they got their premium subscription thing, so you can't actually get in and read this about the flawless indicator that signals a big CPI miss tomorrow. But you can kind of get the feel for it from this chart. Okay, um, the fixings of the consensus versus what it actually came in at, and see how actually the blue bar is usually way in excess of what that gold bar is the guesses so the guesses are expected it could be down and if the trend follows of the last whatever that is seven months no six months five months six months then the blue bar would be even lower which would mean you'd come in at maybe negative uh 0.2 for month over month and maybe only 6.3 for year over year i again who knows i mean god who knows but It looks like, you know, if there is anything even slightly hotter than expected, they're probably going to spike the dollar, uh, plunge the bond market, spiking rates, and they're going to come after us pretty good in gold and try to get back all of this week's gains. Silver already down. You know, they may punch silver all the way down toward that. Um, They may get to that support zone faster than than I'd like. But we'll see. Uh, As I have told you, there's still room for a little more upside in both the metals and the shares before we get into what would be a tough time of the year anyway with the February contract expirations. So we'll wait and see. Busy morning, like I said, 7.30 Harker, 8 o'clock Bullard, 8.30 CPI. Just five charts. You can see gold banging along the upper part of this channel now, three days in a row, all three days this week, okay? Some indecision uh, with these candles, right? Kind of spinning top, they call that, especially today's. Looks to me like it wants to pull back on the chart too. Still could be within this channel. Hell it could come all the way down to 1840 and below and still be in the channel. And you would think that would be if it was going to dip 40 dollars, two and a half percent, which very easily happened. Not just tomorrow, but in the, over the next two weeks, that'd easily keep us still in this channel. And 1840 is where you'd expect support based off of the ladder, right? 1840, 1880. So anyway, we'll watch. Uh, to see what happens with gold tomorrow. Then there's, uh, then there's silver. Wait a second. Oh, I don't have my... Uh, silver's next. I'm sorry. I put these charts kind of out of order because I wanted to go in a different order today. Next up is the GDX, which continues to trace out this massive dip bull almost perfectly. Look at the interval. Well, first, you got to draw this resistance line where it had gapped down in early May Okay, below, from 34 down to 32, down to, you know, it was a terrible day back in early May. Bottomed out at 30 and then rallied back up and tried to fill that gap. And then uh, beginning in the 1st of June, plunging down to that low in late September. These bulls are, I mean, whether you want to start from when it tried to rally on the 1st of June or when it first gapped down back there on about the 10th of May, you can see, I mean, this is what I mean. There's still room for this to rally further up to 33 and then consolidate maybe take the rest of this month and then you know whatever's left of it by the time we get there and then february you know and just kind of bang around here between 31 and 33 for a while well look why wouldn't it do that hell it was 20 look it first of november there's only two months ago two months and what a week We had that false breakdown where we're at 2250. We're now 3150. There's been a hell of a rally, so why wouldn't it kind of come up and take a little breather for a couple of weeks? But again, as these bulls would show you, there's still a little bit of upside left, I think. Okay, now to silver. And again, remember what I what I told you, the banks will manipulate price whenever it benefits them. And thus I thought I would give you this chart today to show you what they're actively doing now. And if you just go back to the fall, everybody forgets. And everybody forgets how I was telling you about this on a daily basis. We're not going to 14 and we're not going to 12. Not when the banks are already net long. Remember, when they get to 20 some odd thousand net long on the cot report. I'm looking at one right now from the end of August. The banks were net long 18,000 contracts. Right? Right before short squeeze number two. That took price from that low of the year at 1750 all the way up to 20. That's 250 on 1750. What's that, 15% in six days? And that was the second short squeeze. You can see the first one, and then the second one, and then the third one later in September, and then the fourth one, (coughs) excuse me, the fourth and final one that took off on the 4th of November. All right, now I wanna show you something here. Notice how the first three short squeezes kind of went up to the same area the first one went up there to about 21. Second one went up to 20 third one started a little higher and it went up to 21 almost 2150 so when short squeeze number four blasted through 21 and 2150 went to 2250 what'd you expect to do well you would expect it to pull back to 21 2150 what had been the resistance on short squeeze one and three becomes support after short squeeze four But then it continues and goes all the way up to 2450. So where would you look for support now? You should be able to do this on your own. What do you need me to tell you this for? Support would be where that short squeeze figured out in early November. It went from 19 to 2250 in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 days. 19 to 2250. That's 20%. So where would you find support now? Well, we've been talking about this now for over a week. Somewhere near the 50-day, which is at 22.53 and rising. Or below 23, 22.50, maybe slightly below there, 22.30. Yeah, if you're looking for a dip to buy, looking for a chance to get long on a trading opportunity and a bounce, that'd be your area, okay? Keep watching for it. Then there's the silge. Hey, look at this. Speaking of holy bulls, Mac, uh, Batman... This looks almost like that GDX chart I just showed you. Again, gapping down in early May as part of this plunge that took it from, oh, 12 down to 10. Then rallying back up over the course of May into early June. Filling that gap and then failing and falling all the way to 8. So if you start a bull when it filled that gap on the 1st of June, mark the bottom right there at that low of 8 in late September, you look, know, we're tracking right up to it. Again, why do I think there's still just a little more upside to the shares? There you go. And if you extend the bull back to the day it down in May, well, you could see that, you know, kind of carries us toward the end of the month into early February. But again, then why wouldn't you expect it to go sideways? From eight to 12, right? Damn near 12. That's almost a 55, 0% move from the lows to getting back to the top of this bull. You'd expect things to consolidate. That's what's going to happen. It's just a question of whether we get a little more gain before it does happen. And finally, let's put the two together. Remember, here we got the silge and candlesticks, and then silver is a blue line. Remember, we open, we noticed this gap that suddenly opened. It has moving tick for tick, and then they get this big, huge, yawning gap that opens in December. The question was one of three things was going to happen. The silge was going to rush to catch up. Price of silver is going to rush to catch down, or they're going to meet in the middle. Frankly, I think they meet in the middle. Why doesn't the Silge continue up toward 12 like I just showed you? And why doesn't the price of silver pull back to about 2250 like I showed you? And then hello and behold, they're all locked up right back in sync again. So that's where we're going in the bigger picture. Like I said, still a little more upside potential, but eventually with the calendar, with the option, with the option expiration, contract expiration, heading toward the Fed, all that stuff, we're gonna peter out here. Silver's telling you that. Will we get a little more upside off the CPI tomorrow? Nah, I have no idea. Remains to be seen. But one way or the other, we're due for a little sideways action into the end of the month. And that's coming, okay? So just don't be all freaked out, shook up, angry, and all that stuff when it happens, because it's going to happen. All right, that's it. Good luck tomorrow. Good luck with them goons. Good luck with that CPI. We'll be here to write about it. And then we have a Thursday conversation tomorrow with the one and only Tom Luongo, our good friend and longtime turdite. It's about 30 minutes. Yeah, trust me, you're going to want to listen. So tomorrow will be a post in the morning and a Thursday conversation in the afternoon. Good luck. Good night. God bless. It's your pal Turd Ferguson signing off, and I'm out.